0: McCowan here, Shannon there, and the podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Baseball on the docket, off the top. What? Not Argos? We'll do that later. Shai okay. Davidi of Sportsnet will join us. We'll talk about uh, what the Blue Jays have done and will do during this offseason, and it's really just begun. Uh, Shai Davidi, when we come back after this. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP, because you'll earn both loyalty-level points and bonus store points on every real-money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. McCowan and Shannon back with you. And Shai Devady of Sportsnet joins us just back from the winter. Well, I was going to say the winter meetings, but it was the um,
1: GM's meetings, right? That That's they right. It? Yeah, general managers meetings and the winter meetings coming up a couple weeks.
2: Yeah, the, the, the fascination with the, man, these, the GM's meetings is they were so close to the end of the World Series, you almost couldn't take a breath, could you?
1: No, uh, a lot of people were there. There were a lot of people who were breathing easy. And happy that the World Series didn't go to a game seven because that would have tightened the timeline even more. But because it was they were so close together, uh, teams couldn't really negotiate with agents at that point. Like they could have meetings and they could say, oh, well, you know, we sort of uh, value this person akin to this. Or, uh, you know, we consider him as somebody who could be a multi-year guy for us but they couldn't have any real offers or anything like that. So it made everything a little bit slower and there was just a lot more dancing than usual.
0: Now, I know you went to the GM meetings, but you were also complaining a little bit before we started that <laughs> you, you couldn't really get a sense of what was going on because the hotel was so big.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, usually they're in a much more intimate resort, right? Maybe I yeah. shouldn't be complaining about this publicly list anyone here, but you, you it's when it's in a smaller, more concentrated resort with fewer people in it, then you can see a lot more stuff and you end up running mm-hmm. into people a little bit more. But this was in a massive Vegas facility with a casino, with multiple restaurants. There were lots of places for people to hide, and there were lots of places for people to be. Yeah, the the general manager's meetings was one of several conventions that was going on. So even when they were in the convention area, they were just sort of like a, a minnow in the ocean. And uh, it gave it a bit of, it gave it more of a winter meetings kind of feel as opposed to a GM meetings kind of feel, which is a little bit too bad.
0: Yeah. Did you, did you run into anybody? Did you see oh. any meetings take place?
1: Well, not not quite on the same scale. Yeah, I, I ran into <laughs> usual agents. And you had to be a little bit more deliberate about who you were going to run into or make a contact with and, and meet up with. So there was a lot more planning and a lot more you know connecting with people via text. And usually it's a little bit more in person. And that's always a little bit nicer, I think, in general, as opposed to doing things electronically. But, uh, you know, you you do what you have to do. Are you kidding me, Bobby? Intrepid reporter
2: Shai Divini? Yeah, He wouldn't miss a chance to find a manager, a general manager, or an agent. Come on. Uh, I get it. Uh, these,
0: these meetings are sort of a setup, for lack of a better term. It's just GMs get together, chat a little bit, and then deals may come of what was discussed at these meetings rather than deals being consummated. And that's generally what happened here, too.
1: Right. And, it, you know, there's there are also general manager meetings with Major League Baseball where they go mm-hmm. over rules and procedures. And obviously this year was a little bit more intense with, you know, the pitch clock coming in and some of the other changes that are going to be implemented next year, the no shift and all that stuff. But yeah, a lot of groundwork. I was actually, uh, I was down there with colleague Ben Nicholson-Smith and we were talking, we were like, have the Jays ever done anything at the GM meetings? And I think I, I could be wrong about this, but I don't remember there being a transaction of notes in, uh back since, I guess, 2012 when they signed Meister as tourists while at the GM mm. meetings. So it's not often that something significant or substantial happens there, but there is a lot of groundwork that's laid and it's sort of this is your chance to or the team's chance to talk to other clubs okay, who's moving, what are the teams looking to do, what are our opportunities, and then once you get back from that, you sort of download and then start trying to execute.
0: From my Blue Jay perspective, the one thing that came out of those meetings, I assume, was the Teoscar Hernandez uh, trade. Um, Do you think they jumped too early on Hernandez?
1: No, I, I think they... What the market was going to be, and they figured, okay, we're gonna make this move. And I think they needed to do this early, right? For a couple reasons. One I got the sense, I think a lot of people had the sense that at the end of the season that Tay Oscar's time was probably coming to an end. I mean, if you look at the roster, you know, and you want to make some change to that batting order, where are you gonna do it? And the logical spot is to take the most expensive guy who's one year of club control remaining. And you can turn that into a different spot. You consider that, Mm -hmm. oh, you might want to open up a bit more right field for George Springer. It just seemed logical that Teoscar was going to be that move. And then, you know, when you look at the return, and I've had a lot of people ask me about this and I can understand because everybody remembers what Teoscar Hernandez has been for this team, but they look at the return and they're like, I don't get it. And when I look at that return, I just think, you know, one of the assets the Blue Jays are bringing back here is the $12 million in spending, room, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the market for Teoscar Hernandez was going to be relatively limited because of the salary, because he's coming off a down year, because there's one year of club control. You know, those are all going to be reflected in the, in the return. And, you know, the Blue Jays wouldn't have traded him to the Mariners if that wasn't the best return that they could get for him. So they gauged the market, they understood where it was at. And in opening up that right field, well, now they can go to the market and talk to other free agents and say, hey, guys, here's the opportunity. It's very clear. And they see it. And all of a sudden, the Blue Jays become a bit more interesting to players who beforehand might have been wondering how they fit the puzzle. Are they well, done? It
0: opens up a spot on the outfield. And um, what happened this weekend was that um, both Tapia and Zimmer were non-tendered, which probably doesn't connect necessarily with Hernandez getting traded because I don't think either one of them is considered an everyday outfielder and they really need an everyday outfielder to replace him. But Tapia had a pretty good year, had a real good year for him. And uh, I'm a little surprised at that, although he could still sign with the Blue Jays. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I I think they looked at that, and it was going to be roughly $5 million from Ramil Tapia. And it's, can we do better for the $5 million than what Tapia is going to bring us? And Tapia had some great moments for the team. If you look at his overall numbers, there are a lot of empty calories in in, in that package right there. There's a little bit, all or nothing. There's no sort of real approach at the plate. Sometimes it feels like, uh, but then every once in a while, he'll drop this tremendous at bat on you and you will be like, where did that come from? Why, why don't we see that more often? But, you know, between the 12, roughly $12 million, the Blue Jays saved in the Hernandez for Swanson deal and the roughly six and a half or so million dollars that the Jays would have saved in, in Zimmer and Tapia you know, all of a sudden you have nearly $20 million to work with. So do better with that money than what you already have. Then it all makes sense. And in an ideal world, look, you're taking that Tapia Zimmer, those two roster spots and you're combining it into one player, right? You don't want a guy who's essentially a defensive only replacement or base running only replacement like Zimmer on your roster for the whole year. You want to do better with that spot. And, you know, you want to do a little bit better with the spot than, you know, you did with Tapia. But I think, you know, the way it's set up, it's clear. The Blue Jays are trying to find some help in center field. And uh, Brendan Nimmo is the popular name. I'm not sure that they have that type of contract in them. But I can see someone like a Cody Ballinger making some sense for them if, you know, they can kind of get that right. And they believe that they can help fix the bat. Uh or there are certainly other opportunities in the trade market. And I still think there's a possibility that they they deal a catcher uh, to get some outfield help as well. So there are a lot of opportunities for them. They've got money to work with. And look, if it doesn't happen in the outfield, they can just put pile that money into, start into the rotation or in the bullpen or whatever the case may be. So uh, they just have a lot of possibilities right now. They have room to get creative where beforehand they were a little bit more locked in.
2: I was going to say the 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 Zimmer Tapia two contracts for one position made a lot of sense if you were going to carry three catchers, but you be, kind of beat me to it uh, yeah. because because uh, in the end that was the uh, other than the 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 Teoscar trade. I mean that was the big noise coming out of those meetings. Correct? Is what, what what is Ross going to do with three catchers?
1: Yeah, look, there's still a possibility that they carry three catchers, and I talked to a couple GMS there, and they weren't. Wholly convinced that the Jays do move a catcher, right? Uh, I think the sense was, and I I wrote this at the time that they were going to move an outfielder, and that ended up being their first move. But I I do think, in an ideal world, they're moving one of their catchers. I think there is a possibility uh, that they do carry three catchers, and it makes sense to a degree because, you know, Moreno may be the, the the best catcher in the future, but. It's tough to integrate that on a regular basis for a team that's trying to contend. You know, the Jays already went through that with Kirk and 21. And, you know, it's tough on the pitching staff and it's tough on the catcher himself when you know the catcher's still learning hitters and had a game call and all that stuff. Uh, and then with with both Jansen and Kirk, you know, you worry a little bit about durability on each one uh, for for different reasons. Jansen You know, he certainly has the ability to do it, but he's had a lot of bad luck on the field where he's gotten injured. Uh, And with Kirk, you know, you saw the Blue Jays being very careful with them in terms of uh, limiting his back to back games work. And, you know, it's tough if if you have an everyday catcher who can't regularly go back to back days. So uh, there is some logic to carrying all three catchers. I do think that possibility is in play. But I do think in an ideal world, they're flipping one of those guys into an asset, ideally, that's young and controllable, that's going to fit the group for a good amount of time moving forward.
0: Uh, Back to the outfield real quickly. So the objective is to move Springer to right, or the hope is?
1: I don't know if it's the objective, but that would be maybe a hope for byproduct. Whoever they get, whatever outfielder they get, they're going to need someone who can play – some substantial time in center field. And, you know, one thing that has gotten overlooked a little bit is the Blue Jays adding Nathan Lucas to the 40 man roster. It's something that they did just at the, on the last day of the general manager meetings. And he was someone that he was basically a George Springer long-term injury away from coming up and playing on a regular basis for the Blue Jays last year. And Mm -hmm he's uh, a left-handed back good defender plays the game hard does a lot of things well got a chance to be an interesting kind of player uh you know maybe he's the Rymel Tapia on this club for next year Mm. and you know it's not a known commodity but it's possible that he gives you very similar tools and and, you know he should be a a more consistent defender than, than Tapia is as well so you know, that may be uh, someone to kind of watch for and, and a possibility, but they're going to need someone who can give them some protection in center field. And they have to get that back on the roster one way or the other. So that, that's whether it's in the, in the form of a full-time center fielder and, and George Springer is mostly in right or it's a, a split time with Springer in center, uh, whatever the case may be, they've got to get themselves some protection in the center field.
2: Does this mean Gurriel's safe and left?
1: Yeah, I do think at this point that Gurriel is coming back and one of the things that Gurriel is that you know, he he's the type of hitter they maybe are trying to get a little bit more of, right? They, they're talking about diversifying uh, the lineup and diversifying the offense. And obviously that starts with trying to get a couple more left-handed hitters in there. And, you know, for now, I, I do think that's um, that's definitely the priority, but if you can get some guys who are doing some different things and Gurriel does some different things and other guys, you know, he hits great velocity. Uh, he hits different kinds of pitchers. Uh, he has uh, an approach where he can do all kinds of different things. He might be a guy who benefits a little bit from uh, no more shifts. I wonder how that's going to going to impact him. You uh, know, you usually think left-handed hitters are the ones that are going to benefit most. You know, I wonder if he might be a guy who, who gets helped out a little bit. And maybe we see him start pulling the ball a bit more again and, and getting some power back. But he can do so many different things that he's a nice type of hitter to have in your lineup. And, you know, you see it with his brother, uh, Yuli, a little bit with the Astros and just the presence he is in the bottom of the lineup and just a guy who gets hits and is a tough out. And, uh, you know, if you have Lourdes Gurriel batting sixth or seventh in your lineup, you know, that that's a pretty good thing.
0: You, uh, you kind of hinted at this. Guriel's power drop off last year was noticeable. Um, I wonder whether you think that was how much of that was deliberate.
1: Well, you know, he did have the surgery on the uh, hammett bone in his hand, and you know the wrist had been bugging him. And you know, when I asked Ross Atkins about that, I said, "Are, are those two connected?" And his answer was, "The Blue Jays didn't think so, and Guriel didn't think so, but." <laughs> was it conscious or was it subconscious what or maybe maybe it was conscious and they just don't want to say you know could be any of those things uh, i don't know but i think even if you know the power's down you saw the average come up and some of the other elements uh, tick up for him uh, even though the power was down he it's still a productive player it's still something you need and
0: no I'm, know, not, I'm not arguing yeah. i yeah. i just wonder whether that was uh, almost a deliberate thing by guriel to, you know, become more of a contact hitter <clears throat> rather yeah, than a power yeah. hitter.
1: And, and, I, and I just don't know for sure, but I, I do think that you saw some of the benefits to that. And, you know, for the one thing, maybe more than anything, the Blue Jays need some more OBP, right? Uh, ideally near the top of the lineup, you want just more guys on base, the more Bo and Vlad, uh, and even Springer, hidden with guys on base, you know the better off uh, or the more productive your offense is going to be. Now, you know does does you know Guriel's never going to be sort of a super OBP guy. He's going to be more batting average driven. But I still think you need hits as well in that lineup, right? You need you need the ball and play where a base runner can move more than station to station on occasion, and and Guriel can give you that in sort of that six seven spot. You know, the one thing we do, don't talk talk about because we're waiting for the shoe to drop, but there's a significant amount of production that needs to be replaced now from Teoscar Hernandez, right? Mm-hmm. And some of that could come with, you know, with Bo maybe having a bit more of a wire-to-wire type of year and Vladdy getting back to closer to what he was in 21 than what he was in 22. You know, that could certainly eat up some of that. And Springer's healthier over the entire season mm-hmm. – maybe his numbers tick up a little bit, you know, what does a, a full year, uh, another full year of Alejandro Kirk look like? Um, does Does Matt Chapman maybe tick up a little bit? There's certainly opportunities for uh, a lot of that production to to kind of come from other spots, but, you know, what what they do with that spot and right uh, or center, is it someone who's at the top of the lineup or is it someone more in the middle of the top of the lineup? That, that's really important too because they, they have to find a way to, to – compensate for for the loss of offense
0: I want I' I've often thought if you look at the blue Jays lineup it's front loaded mm-hmm. and there's there's a reason to bet um somebody who can get on base regularly ninth mm-hmm. rather than the seventh or sixth or whatever and I wonder if you agree with that assessment that maybe what you do is you take your you're, you know, the guy who isn't in the top five or top six and bat him ninth. So that he hits head of, you know, of, of George and, and then, you know, everybody else who can hit.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, in an ideal world, you have someone who's like that. And the one thing is that you have OBP, you don't necessarily want to burn it in the nine spot, but you do want to make sure that if George is uh, hitting lead off again, that he's got more opportunity to hit with runners in scoring position because he's going to do some damage like that. So it, it you saw the Blue Jays kind of experiment with that in different ways. Times when Kevin Biggio was batting nine, that you know a high OBP guy, his slug was obviously down last year, and that's that's sort of a maybe a spot for that type of player. Uh, but you know when the Blue Jays have ad, have been at their best over the past couple seasons. You know, you've seen a little bit of production happening at the bottom of the order, and that's resetting things for the top. And so that you know, when say you know Springer is one and Bichette is two, when they're coming into things, you know, that they're coming up with guys consistently on base and they're getting RBI opportunities. And that's when that's when this lineup is really doing a lot of damage.
2: Yeah, I was going to say the the whole concept. I mean, the bottom of the order when you looked at the stretch run and. They're fighting for that playoff spot. The bottom of the order contributed a lot. Mm-hmm. They did a good. Jo- they did a good job for them,
1: right? Like when Santiago Espinal was was being a productive player for them, and uh, there were times where Danny Jansen, Jansen. was doing a lot yeah. of good stuff, right? Like, uh, 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 look, most of that is still there. You know uh, what is with Merrifield next year? Is you know that the way that he you know is he more the player that he was when the Jays first got him, or was he more the guy who? you know, really helped drive the team was a catalyst for them in September onwards. So, you know, I think there are certainly are some questions in terms of how all the puzzle pieces are going to fit together and we're going to have to wait to see how all the moves play out, but there, there's an interesting mix. I think they can do a lot of the things that we're talking about already with what they have in house, but a lot of where they're at now sort of, you know they're past the talent accumulation stage and now it's really about optimizing the pieces that they have right how do you make everything work together better and so that's really where a lot of the effort and thought is right now and it's tough right because you have good players but you know if you want like oh i just want a left-handed version of this or i just want the high obp version of this guy well i mean that that's not always available and that's it's not always at the right position, and all those things. So, this is where a lot of creativity really matters for the Blue Jays in terms of, you know, how do they make these pieces fit together a bit more effectively?
2: Well, I, it's funny because uh, I was going to ask you about Merrifield. I mean, it, it couldn't he be an answer in, in one of these fielding pos- in the in these outfield positions? I think he could well, be an
0: answer in center.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he's he's potentially the backup in center field, but you know, you don't want to give up a ton in defense in center field you know one of the one of the things that bit the Jays a bit in the hiney in that game too right was where they were a little bit loose defensively right there was the you know the ball that fell in uh in front of uh Tapia in left field that you know maybe he's caught or maybe a better defender gets to uh you know that's certainly a, a play that was significant and you know George Springer. I mean, he, and uh, on that collision with Bo Bichette. I mean, both those guys made you know an A plus effort on that and got really <laughs> really close to it. But you know, you wondered if, if Jackie Bradley Jr. was in center field. You know, does he get to that ball right? And does that or play, or
2: play it differently?
1: Or play it differently? <laughs> and you know, and again, that's not a criticism of George. But George uh, at this point is a better right fielder than he is a center fielder. If you get a a, a you know, a plus defender in center field, are they cleaning up? Are they taking away a couple of those hits or taking away a couple of those balls? Does that make your pitching staff more effectively? So, you know, when I talk to, uh, when I talked about optimization, I do think that's part of it too. You know, how do you just make everything better? And, you know, if, if Merrifield is playing an extended period of games in center field means it should mean that a couple guys have gotten hurt, right? right. You're, you're two or three steps down the depth chart at that point, uh, you know, he shouldn't be your primary, or secondary option center field, but maybe more of the guy who's playing, you know, once a week there, and in a bunch of different spots, or coming into a game there because you've made some moves or whatever the case is. That to me is sort of where how he better fits that situation, as opposed to being part of an everyday solution there.
0: Except if the decision is more economic than we are giving them credit for, because they do save fifteen million plus with tay oscar's deal Mm -hmm. but they need pitching and maybe they depending on what they do with the catching maybe they spend there rather than spend on the outfield
1: yeah and that's entirely possible again i the way they're constructed is that they can in terms of their spending they can search for what they believe is the maximum impact right so Mm -hmm. if you think that the player you're going to be signing is going to be, you know, um, you know, going to give you one and a half or two wins, but you can allocate that money to pitching staff and that's going to get you three, three and a half wins. Then obviously you're leading towards the pitching, right? It all, but then you, again, you have to start factoring in, okay, how does this player help make everybody else on the roster work too, and mm-hmm. get into that roster optimization. And I think if you're going to play that game, you can say, okay, well, if you get a good defender, that's going to help all the pitchers and accomplish X. But on the flip side, you know, do you pile that into a starting pitcher? And, you know, does a starting pitcher eating X amount of innings help reduce the load on the bullpen by Y and that should make all the relievers uh, better by Z percent? Well, maybe that's the combination that you pick too. So, you know we're gonna we're gonna throw around sort of hypotheticals and names and what does that combination look like but you know without knowing sort of who's what at what price at this point uh, it's just sort of a a guessing and that's what the Blue Jays are working through right like what is the piece that makes more what what are the combination of pieces that make the most sense that sort of do the best across the roster in a number of different ways
0: We're uh, halfway home. Shai is with us, and we'll take a break and come back after this.
2: And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. These days, more athletes are speaking out about the importance of mental health. But you don't have to be in the pros to take care of your mental well-being and being focused and in the zone. Therapy is the best way to stay in peak mental shape. We've all seen firsthand the benefits of unloading the stress, of working through the emotional healing, and dealing with anxiety and depression. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, and online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey, and you can switch therapists at any time. When you're ready to feel at the top of your game, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash bobcast today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash bobcast.
0: McCowan and Shannon and uh, Shai Davide is with us. We have spent uh, 20 some odd minutes chatting about the Blue Jays and haven't touched on, well, we sort of touched on the catching, but not really, and nothing on the pitching. And this team does need pitching help. It needs a starting
1: pitcher. Does it not? I would say it needs two starting pitchers, but uh, at yeah. least one, one sure thing starting pitcher. And uh, it, it was interesting hearing kind of Ross Atkins talk about it. Maybe it's sort of a, a hybrid kind of starter reliever type. They'll, they'll, those aren't necessarily plentiful. That sounds like Ross Stripling. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Ross Stripling, I think at this point you have to say, okay, this dude is a starting pitcher. Like, let's not you know, let's, let's give the man credit for what he accomplished. Right. And he deserves to be in somebody's rotation and he's going to make an impact at somebody's rotation, but uh, you, you know, they've, they've got, I think at minimum they bring in someone to compete with Kikuchi and Mitch white. And, you know, maybe it's someone who's trying to bounce back or, you know, coming off an injury is looking to kind of come into a different role. They need to build out that depth. They need to, you know, they can't put themselves in a situation again where they, in September quite literally had no one they wanted to use as a starter. And so they threw three, three bullpen games in the span of 14 days. You know, they can't do that again. So, you know, I think that's going to be a, a, certainly a focal point and got to get, uh, you know, at least one starting pitcher, but I make the case that you bring in two and let Kikuchi and white be depth if they don't win a job.
0: They're going to pay $20 million to Ryu to basically sit on the bench till when
1: June, July, I mean, best case scenarios, probably July, uh, more likely is September. And, you know, one of the interesting questions is whether, you know, the Blue Jays do have some insurance coverage on Ryu or not. And there's been a lot of speculation. I, I haven't been able to nail it down definitively to say one way or the other. Uh, but, you know, if there is some relief that's coming off that $20 million, well, that's money you can throw into the pot and and, and things of that nature. But, You know, maybe Ryu is just a guy who comes in and, you know, gives you four September starts. And, you know, if he's back to form and it's the Ryu we all remember, then all of a sudden, you know, that could be four pretty good starts at a critical time of the season. So it's certainly an interesting, interesting piece just going to have lingering around in there and uh, as a possibility at some point in time. Uh, But you know, at this point, I think the Blue Jays. If at least if I'm playing, if I'm running the Blue Jays, I'm looking at it as you know, I'm expecting zero, and anything I get above zero is a bonus. I agree. I
2: agree. And and, and Kikuchi is going. I mean, you said he's going to probably fight for a uh, some sort of spot, but is is he is he going to go to spring training as a as a reliever? Is he going to what is he? What, where, what do you think their attitude about this guy is this year compared
1: to last? Well, I think they're going to stretch him out at spring training and treat him as a starter, and sort of see where it goes, right? Like, you know, we, we've talked about this a few times. The, the Blue Jays still believe in that package of talent. It's just can you can they bring it out? Can he bring it out? Right? Because like the tools are there. He's got the big fastball. He's got the good slider. He's got the he's got the split change, whatever you want to call it. That's a good third pitch. I mean, like he has three pitches that are going to play. Like he can make this work. It's just, can they, uh, can they bring it out of him? And he bring it out of himself. And I think the Blue Jays aren't going to go into this, into spring training, counting on it. Right. Because that would be borderline reckless, especially after what you saw last year. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're like, man, if we can unlock this, it's going to be really good. And so that that's in there. And it has to be on, it's on the spectrum of possibilities. So, you know, I think they, they bring him back, they let him stretch out and see what it looks like. And maybe he's figured it out over the course of the offseason. maybe a full winter of, of consequence free work with him and the Blue Jays on the things that they want to accomplish together. Maybe that lets him get to spring training and take off and hit the ground running and not have to be constantly fidgeting with things as he was so often this season. And maybe that puts it together. But I think if you go into spring training counting on it, you're putting yourself in a position to be pretty exposed uh, come opening day.
0: Is there a starter in the minor league system that is a maybe?
1: At this point, no. But I would say they're gonna be, there's going to be workload restrictions on him next year for sure. But he's someone towards the end of the season I think would be interesting Hayden Younger is another guy who's could be interesting as a starter. Uh, maybe he's, maybe he ends up a reliever, but uh, he's a, he's certainly an interesting arm to watch. Uh, you know, the there's a, a, a Bears got to Double A, and a, another intriguing guy is he. But uh, it's not a big not a big stuff guy, but he's a real pitcher, right? Um, he, he's he's again someone someone worth keeping an eye on, but not necessarily worth betting on. Uh, and then what do you, you know, sur- assuming they survive the, the offseason on the roster, you know, what uh, what do Thomas Hatch and Anthony Kay look like? Right. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. both guys, again, who have stuff uh, for different reasons, uh, some of them physical, some of them other per- performance wise, you know, just didn't really factor last year for the Blue Jays. But two guys who certainly have the ability or certainly have the the talent and the tools uh, to be effective pitchers at the big league level.
0: Do you think Hatch is a better Major league candidate Kay?
1: I mean, it's certainly at this point, but again, you know, Thomas Hatch was, if ever there was a, you know, window of opportunity for him, you know, last year was pretty glaring. The, the, it was right there for him if he had been pitching better and he didn't put himself in that spot. And so how does he go into this off season and, uh, you know, fix, fix whatever he needs to fix and get himself right for, for a full season? Uh, and and to be the you know the number six guy, the first option when they need it, uh, you know that that's up to him at this point. But uh, certainly, certainly, <laughs> on paper you would look at it and say, okay, well he's got you know the most success at the big league level. He's accomplished these things. He should be he should be the guy. But you know maybe it's not.
2: Did 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 we come to a resolution of whether Stripling's signing here or not, or is it just I me? Mean, uh, is is he's he's going to go to market and see what happens?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he's in the market now, and right. you know, I think the, the Blue Jays could have could, Blue Geese could have forced him in with a qualifying offer, right? I think if the Blue Jays had made him a qualifying offer, you know, one year, nineteen point six five million, he's he probably takes it, right? Because he'd have, I think, at that point, you'd be. It's tough to kind of turn down that kind of single year hit. And that, you know, assuming you have any kind of reasonable year, you're still going to make up uh, afterwards what you would have in the, in the subsequent years that you would have gotten this way. Uh, But that hit was too high for them. Right. And I can understand. I think it would have been too much of a premium to pay to lock him in. So, you know, the, the blue Jews, I'm, I would think would have made him a couple multi-year deals beforehand. And our multi-year offers beforehand. And obviously they didn't agree. And, and Ross Strippens was like, I'm going to check the market and see where we're at. So, uh, you know, at least right now, the the indication just based on how things have progressed is that, you know, the sides certainly have some difference in sort of where his value's at. And, uh, you know, maybe the market will change that for one side or the other. Uh, it, and it could bring them together or it could also separate them as well.
0: My guess is the Blue Jays would value him somewhere around twelve million a year. What do you think?
1: I, I think that's a fair number to look at. You know, I, I I can certainly see him getting to you know forty over three. Yeah. The you know as as we've talked about in the past, you know, Ross Stripling kind of fits everybody, right? He's yeah. one of those. He's a good pitcher. He fits any number of teams, different budgets. He fits you. If you're uh, an established contender, if he fits you, if you're an aspiring contender, um, he fits you. And the other thing is that, you know, we especially think about how we saw pitchers used in the postseason this year, you know, he can certainly just transition right away to the bullpen. If you needed him to in, in the postseason and be a weapon for you there in a different way. And he's, there's no, there's no, Uh, learning curve for him because he's done it and he's Mm -hmm. used to it. So in a lot of ways, he's sort of the prototypical modern day pitcher for, for clubs. So, you know, I think the competition for Ross Stripling ends up being pretty deep. And at that point, you know, maybe, maybe it ticks up even a little bit higher than, you know, 12, 13 a year.
0: Don't you think he wants 15?
1: I'm, I'm sure he wants twenty. Right? I'm, well, I'm <laughs> sure he does. But, uh, but y- is, ter- y-
2: is term y- is term y- is term more important? Shy, do you think?
1: You know, knowing what I know of him, I would think that he's going to look sort of just like what is the best sort of package? Like he could, you know, if the you know you, you get a better a v over two you know, do you take that as opposed to over three? Right. Yeah. You know, remember he's a, he's a financial advisor too. This is a guy who was part of the union's bargaining committee uh, mm-hmm. in terms of CBA negotiations, this is a, a, a very savvy business guy. So, you, you know, he'll, he'll kind of examine each opportunity on its own and, and kind of figure what can I do the best? and, and you know, for some players, it's just take the most amount of money, biggest guarantee of money. Some, some players want to go, you know, you know, total, total guarantee. Some players want the bigger AAV and are confident enough in their ability to keep going back to the market. You know, uh, I think for someone like him, he's got a chance uh, to continue being effective because he's really found himself in the pitcher. He doesn't rely on velocity. He relies on, you know, uh, especially last year, a really quality change up and being able to mix his pitches effectively and being able to keep hitters off balance. And, you know, that sort of thing has a chance to play. So I, I can certainly see a scenario where someone throws a, you know, a two-year deal at him with a really good AAV. You know, take the, take the two years, come back, uh, you know, perform, and then, you know, cash in again two years down the line.
0: What's your best guess as to who the Blue Jays – try and sign as a pitcher, starting pitcher?
1: Oh, I think they're going to be all all over a bunch of names. And I think they're going to be in that sort of middle market kind of range. I think the bigger Mm -hmm. terms, you know, I do think they'll, uh, you know, stay in touch on Justin Verlander. I don't know if they're going all out for him uh, in the same way, but, you know, if that falls into a sort of one or two year deal kind of number, Um, that they feel is sort of in their range. I can see that. I I can see them trying on something like that. Uh, But I I don't think they're putting their eggs in that basket. Um, Andrew Heaney is someone that they've had some interest in uh, in the past. And they could look to, you know, think they'll kick around the the tires on everyone from like him, Drew Smiley, uh, you know, Noah Syndergaard, they checked in on last year and they have, they did quite a bit of work on. Uh, So even though they didn't kind of look at him uh, at the, at the trade deadline or weren't so fully in on him at the trade deadline, I still think he's someone that could come in and, you know, take some, take a spot in the rotations. It's a pretty good market. They have some opportunities, but this may be another area where, you know, instead of trying to turn your, you know, a catcher into an outfielder, you look into the trade market as well. Mm -hmm. And you, you try to turn, you know, one of your young catchers into a young pitcher that, fits the rotation moving forward and gives you a little bit of That's financial think, efficiency yeah. as well
2: yeah. yeah so so much of the pitching though at this point when you think about how much money they've already invested barrios has barrios has to play a bigger role in this and has to be more effective i mean mm-hmm. if you look back that he's
1: is he the weak link right now when you think about it uh, i mean i don't know if he's the weak link but he's certainly a bit of a question and uh, it's something that I talked to Ross Atkins about at the GM meetings and I said to him, like, you know, what did you what, what did you guys send him home with? You know, and they said like his his feeling was that the Blue Jays didn't see anything glaring mechanics wise, didn't see anything glaring um, stuff wise because the stuff was still pretty much there, uh, but they're going to consider or at least do some work on whether he needs to change some of those pitch pitch shapes. And does he need to have, uh, you know, just different break or something along those lines? Does he need to be pitching the different parts of the zone? And That's something that the Blue Jays really looked at pretty heavily at different points last season in the year too. And when he was a bit more effective, you saw him, uh, you know, using the both the four and the two-seamer a little bit differently. And that helped him get some benefits and that helped him maximize the breaking ball. So there, you know, with, with, with Jose Barrios, I don't think you're worried so much about you're not worried about the physic- physical side you're not worrying about the mental side because you know that he's tough and you know for a guy to kind of keep taking the ball and grinding through competing the way that he did finding ways to be to deliver really good outings at important times I mean you know that his heart is there you know that his head is there mm-hmm. it's you know how do you what what do you do to kind of change the mix and and I'm sure that they'll also do a bit, maybe a bit of a deeper dive in was there some sort of tell that in his stuff that, you know, they weren't picking up on, but that other teams had picked up on. And if they'd found a tell on him and that they can clean that up, then, you know, maybe it's as simple as that. So I, I, all of those things are going to be on the table. On a guy's track record, I don't think that a guy that good is just going to fall off in a heartbeat. Especially when all the peripherals seem to suggest that he's still good. Um, but it's certainly it's certainly a bit uncomfortable for the Blue Jays because you know they they felt really good about that extension at the time they signed it, and now that they're into it, you're you're a little bit Oof, well, did we did we jump the gun a little bit? Do you think they care whether the starter
0: is a right hander or a left hander?
1: I don't think they care. Uh, you know, in this division, I don't, you know, there aren't a ton of left-handed hitters that are going to kill you. Right. Uh, I know there's going to be a little bit less divisional play. Um, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays are just probably going to continue matching up on you. Um, you know, you think about sort of the, the main guys on, uh, you know, the Yankees, the Red Sox, you know, it's the, you know, Rutschman or the Orioles, the switch hitter. So it doesn't really make a difference. I, I don't think that they've got one of those classic left-handed heavy lineups where you're like, oh, we'd, it'd be great to have that guy.
0: We haven't talked much about the catching. Do you believe they'll start with three? Or do you believe they'll trade one?
1: I still think they're in position to trade one. But let's just, for for the sake of argument, let's just say it's Kirk, right? Can you trade your four and five hitters in the same off season? <laughs> and you can if you are getting a big hit, big bat back. You you've got. To, I mean, but at this point, like you don't have. You're already down one, and you're already looking to replace one big source of offense. You know, are you looking to replace a second big source of offense? So, uh, you know, I certainly can. I, I certainly can see that. I do think it's become a bit more complicated for them. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of nice when for them when you know you had you know, one at DH and one in the lineup because they're both pretty hitting pretty well, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you believe in what Jansen did and you believe that that, that he that's who he is now and he's going to continue delivering like that, then, you know, it certainly makes it a little easier or at least it makes you want to keep those two guys and think about trading Moreno. But Moreno is just such a super athlete and he can, and he can play, play, play elsewhere too. And... I mean, yes, but like, how much do you really need that on this team, right? Well, right now you
0: need an outfielder,
1: right? Yeah, and like, but you're not, you're not really maximizing what he is. Like, no, I get a chance to be a plus defensive catcher, right? Like, that's like temporarily sure, but Mm -hmm. you're also hurting his development a little bit if he's worried about playing other positions and he's not catching on a consistent basis. So you're in a little bit of a catch twenty two there. Like, I still tend to fall up to they're going to move a catcher but i like i said before I, I do think there is a very reasonable scenario to carry all three hey
2: 20 seconds who's the starting second baseman
1: <laughs> right now i i don't know that there is one i mean may, yeah. maybe it's merrifield the way things finished out if you judge how they closed out the season uh it's tough to say that when santiago espinal is an all-star but yeah i think right now that's a, a bit of a toss-up
0: I think it'll be Espinall and I think Merrifield will wind up playing outfield
1: quite a bit, but we'll see, we'll see how things unfold. Right. I think we have to see how, how, what else they add. Right. But like they're in the position where they have that versatility, they've wanted this, they've been building towards it where Mm -hmm. they can have guys in a bunch of different spots, a bunch of different lineups for, you know, just sort of have the Swiss army knife for on your roster for whatever, or your roster is a Swiss Army knife for whatever the opponent throws up at you. Gotcha. And they're certainly getting towards that.
0: Shai, great chat. Thanks a lot, pal.
1: No problem, guys. Be well.
0: We'll talk to you soon. Shai Davidi of Sportsnet. We'll be back. Thanks to uh, Shai Davidi of Sportsnet for uh, being with us. Well, I'm still
2: surprised. I'm still surprised more isn't done by now with baseball. I really am. I mean, the budgets are set. Come on. Get to work. Well, you say the budgets are
0: set, but... Budgets um, are set. Well, the maximum may be set, but the minimum, I don't know. I don't think anything is set. I mean, what have the Blue Jays got to spend?
2: No, but, but, well, I mean, you know, ownership has told any president or any general manager, here's where we want to go to. And that's happened in all 30 teams, Bob. That's happened in all 30 teams.
0: But here's what happens. Then the president says, okay, fine. And then several weeks later, goes back to them and says, I know the budget is this, but for this much more, we can get this guy who makes us that much better. And then the question becomes "Does ownership.
2: <laughs> that sounds like a trip to Costco oh. for me.
0: <laughs> well, you, you know that's what it is. I know. That's exactly what happens all the time. All right. Uh, listen, we both spent last night watching uh, the uh, Toronto Argonauts win the Great Cup game. Well, at least and, one of us you... picked them to win. Yep, that was you. Yes, sir. What a game yep. it was! It was.
2: It wasn't a great game. It was an exciting game, though. Second half was what we have uh, always expected CFL to be: a little bit of chaos, uh, a few mistakes, a lot and, of chaos, and, and and lots and lots of fun. I mean, it was. It, and it was, what was really exciting for me was that, you know the weather wasn't a factor. It was it was purely the two teams on the on the field doing what they needed to do. Special teams were a huge factor through the whole night, whether it be the the return game or the kicking game. I mean, man, oh man, uh, to have two blocked field goals—I don't think I've seen two blocked field goals in the last five minutes. Yeah, w- w- in in that kind of span of time in my life. Me neither. I mean, it was nuts, absolutely nuts, and and. To to bring in a, a backup quarterback because uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson obviously broke his thumb. I think I think that's pretty pretty evident. Um, and 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 then Kelly has to make that run to keep the drive alive. Holy smokes, that was really dramatic. It was fun to watch.
0: What do you do with Kelly next year? Kid looked well, great.
2: Yeah, I, there, there's there, there's a lot of underlying stories with him, Bob. And so, whether whether he sticks or whether he gets a chance to play somewhere else,
0: maybe you know yeah. there are
2: a couple of teams in this league looking for quarterbacks, and they will. I mean that he probably turned a few a, a few heads last night with with what no he did. No doubt, no doubt he did. But you know, I and mean, actually, the the biggest quarterback in the CFL was on the show last night. What's going to happen to Bo Levi Mitchell? I think he'll end up in Saskatchewan, personally, but that That, to me, is the most logical thing for him to to be there. But what a great and and for a Canadian to uh, in Mwambo to win the uh, the most outstanding MVP, player of the tournament, yeah, gosh, that was it it was a fun game to watch. um and the and the problem then becomes is everybody will say, what a great great crop, And then they'll forget the CFL. And when CFL starts next next year, we'll have mediocre games again to start the season, which was the problem this year.
0: You almost wish the the Grey Cup game was was played in June, yeah, like as the there, first game of the following year.
2: There are there are times you uh, y- you wonder, uh, and
0: almost invariably, to... the Grey Cup is a great game. Almost invariably, yeah, you they, know, geez, you There's know.
2: been a few duds. There have been a few duds recently. Oh, I know, I know. But but from a pure excitement perspective. That to me was as crazy as it gets, and 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 there were storyline upon storyline. I mean, the, the Argonauts at one point were going to lose the game by a point, and remember, on a, the, the penalties they took with the face mask on uh, on oh, Claro's, yeah. and then they they took a penalty on a on a punt return where they where the Bombers had had given up a single point. There were so many storylines in the fourth quarter last night. That that's what made it fun for me.
0: Well, it was fun. I think that's what made it fun for everybody, was you had really no idea what was going to happen next.
2: And and our pal Pinball wins his seventh Grey Cup. Is it really seven? Seven, and now the Argonauts have gone to seven consecutive Grey Cups, and won winning all them all. all. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of bizarre, isn't it?
2: Well, and, and so hit now. Now MLSE, the company that owns the Argonauts. And most of the year, they didn't want to own the Argonauts, but now they own the Argonauts after they win. Um, So the football team has won a championship. The the soccer team has won a championship in the last three or four years. Obviously, the Raptors have won a championship. The American League team, the Marlies, has won a championship. There's only one ring missing, Bob. (laughs) There's only one ring missing.
0: Yeah, we know who that is.
2: (laughs) And and Missing for
0: almost 60 years
2: since 1967 the toronto maple leafs are there when you think about the success this organization has had corporately and and across the board in all these sports the engine that drives the boat can't seem to get across the line
0: well the engine that used to drive the boat i think the raptors may drive the boat now
2: yeah you're probably right
0: Economically, I think. That's oh, yeah. true. No, I think
2: you're. Pro- I think you're probably right, but but you know what I mean when it comes. to I the do Maple know X. what you mean. I mean, gosh, <laughs> and they're play Hey, listen, I think they're six one and one in their last eight. Bob, the Maple Ooh, Leafs are the Leafs. The Leafs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, they're they're playing better.
0: They'd have to play better than what they were in that four game streak.
2: Well, and and the eleven million dollar man has been their best player all season long. John Tavares has been by their best player by far. So.
0: Yeah, I saw he was wearing the face mask uh, the other night, too.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, hey, that's the hazard of playing uh, it
0: professional happens. hockey.
2: Yeah, it is. It is.
0: Congrats to the Argos and our friend Pinball. Pinball again. Yeah. This guy, everything he
2: touches turns to gold.
0: I know. I thanks to Shai Navidi for joining us as well. That's it for us. For John Shannon, I'm Bob McCowan. We'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody.